Hey guys, welcome to today's episode where we'll be dissecting Gold Coast. Joining me today is Tom. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. How about yourself? Yeah, good, good. Just sitting back enjoying the summer and watching team reports. It's exciting. Yeah, um, I don't think Nathan's here today. Uh, he's probably at work or asleep from the looks of things, so at least um, we'll be saved with a bit of uh, decent audio, hopefully for once, with him out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll see how we go for, for today's podcast. Yeah, perfect. All right, well, let's jump straight into it. I think a good place to start would be from the top. So start with Tuke Miller. What are your thoughts on Tuke Miller? Do you think he's an outright lock in our team this year? Uh, yeah, he's an interesting one. I mean, previous years he was primarily utilised as a tagger, um, I believe. So obviously scoring didn't really um, represent his ability on the field and then Obviously, last year he went gangbusters um, and was in, you know, top five Brownlow prediction counts and things like that. Um, and he's and he kind of showed how effective he is with the ball and his fitness levels are through the roof as well. He's pretty much a, a machine um, and can outrun pretty much any midfielder hands down. So he's an interesting pick because he's obviously at a, such an elevated price because of his scoring and he's so consistent in a pretty average team. And I guess that's the upside with, with Took Miller in a sense because if Gold Coast can start improving and stringing games together, the ball's going to get into his hands more often. Um, and he's going to be pushing forward more rather than trying to kick it around the back and, and defend a fair bit. Um, he's probably a similar model to Steele in a sense where he can rack a lot of, rack a lot of the score from pure tackles um, rather than disposals like someone like McRae um, or Oliver. But I guess it's just too much of the unknown with him because you just don't know if you can string it back together or back-to-back seasons. Um, it's such a hard thing to do and, and you've got to see the likes of McCrane and Oliver who've done it for so long and you're only paying, I think you're paying less for Oliver even and like 20k more for McCray. Um And you can only really, I've got Steele, McCray and Oliver in my top three and, and I guess we'll dissect this more in our team, in our pre-season team reveal um, later on. Um, or, well, you actually hear, hear that episode before before the Gold Coast one comes out, so actually beforehand. But, um, yeah, I think there's only so many you can pick with those top-end players just to save your bank. And I think, for me, Took's just slipped out of the top four. But what are your thoughts, Jonas? Is, um, obviously someone that, um, you know, potentially could sneak into your side. Yeah, I, I'm a strong advocate of Took Miller. And I look at a player such as him, Ticks a lot of the boxes that I want to see ticked. He's a very hard worker. He performs well in losing teams and also when his side's doing well. And I think with the departure of Hugh Greenwood, that's opened up more possibilities for him to keep his uh, midterm minutes up to a very high level. And looking at the stats before, yeah. I noticed that after round six, he did not drop a score below 100. So not only is he incredibly durable and hardworking, but he has a very good floor. And yeah, he's behind Jack Steele, my number two midfielder at the moment. And I don't, I don't really know where you can go wrong because he's hard to tag. There's um, 
Josh Dunkley, I believe, was asked who the hardest midfielder to match up on was, and he said Tuke Miller. So that fills me with a fair bit of hope that Tuke won't be tagged just due to how uh, good his endurance is, similar mould to Sam Walsh, where they just run all day, work hard defensively and offensively, and just um, break the team's lines and pick up contested ball, uncontested ball. So, yeah, I think he's a pretty good pick. Well, just on that, I guess, with, with this... Um... With this whole tagging issue, obviously he's a pretty hard man to tag, and it's purely because of his capability to run opponents through the through the ground. Um, someone like a Sam Walsh, but obviously Sam Walsh is a bit younger and a bit susceptible to a hard tag. We obviously haven't seen it last year because it was kind of his first break at year. But are you worried a little bit that you know obviously a tag's a tag, but a hard tag could come in place for Took Miller because. You know, you remove Greenwood out of that equation and suddenly you've got quite a young Gold Coast midfield in it, you know. Just from a coach's perspective, it could be possible that if you if you ta- put a hard tag on Miller, the whole Gold Coast midfield shut down a bit. It's certainly a possibility, but we also saw Darcy Parrish break out last year and even in his breakout year, he did cop attention, which I assume Miller did as well. And Miller seemed to have handled that attention quite well, unlike Parrish towards the later stages of this season. So I still think if coaches considered him a threat last year and put the amount of work they did into him last year, I don't know why they'd put in more work this year simply because he was good enough last year to finish in the top five of the Brownlow, I think it was. Um, So I believe a tag isn't of too much concern. Just because you'll be able to work off uh, team, the, te- the opposition's attention. You'd literally have to have someone tagging him in the forward line when he runs up there, someone in the midfield, and then someone down back, which I think focusing on one player with three isn't very effective, especially for Gold Coast as well. They're not the most damaging team, so I wouldn't have too many concerns that someone's going to week in, week out, try and come up with a plan to take two mil out of the equation, but rather just focus on their team's midfield, getting on top of Gold Coast's midfield. Yeah, I think that's a fair share. And I guess, you know, there's so much attention being put on the other midfielders like Oliver's McRae's and Steele could be a good point of difference. And, you know, I guess with him being such a high, such a high price and this whole extra trade business going on that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, um, or you'll probably have, you will have heard about it, um, when we release our our preseason team reveals and, and the new rule changes for Supercoach. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting one with regards to, to whether, you know, you bring him in, may not may not go gangbusters in the first couple of rounds, and, and it's an easy swap out for the likes of the other top midfielders. So I guess, in a sense, it's a safe pick, but also um, you are paying a, in a bit more for that ex- expensive pick, but also... Um, you know, if he does go gangbusters, it's it's a really good point of difference, I think, with him being not much attention on him at the moment with, with super coaches. One last thing which I think super coaches should cast their mind towards are the buys. And having a look, he shares around 13 buy, which for me at least, I don't have too many premiums sitting out that week. So I think it's important to have a good balance of premiums playing from around 12, 13, and 14. And from the looks of things, 
We'll have a lot of players in round 14 missing the bye. Fair few Collingwood players, Fremantle. Then there's North Melbourne and uh, Melbourne as well, on top of Brisbane and Hawthorne. So I think there'll be a fair few premiums who aren't playing in round 14. However, Gold Coast will be playing that week. So I think it's good to have a good mixture of players playing each week. Oh, for sure. And I guess if you get that combination round, right, round one, when you've had unlimited trades and whatever, you guys, I guess you don't have to waste as many trades to try and bring players in um, for those specific buy rounds. But yeah, that's a, it's a tip pick that definitely um, could, un, could come under heavy discussion. But as I said, it's a pretty, pretty safe pick regardless. All right, move on. Next player on the agenda is Jared Witts. Do you think Jared Witts has a possibility of being a keeper or even just a good starting pick as a stepping stone? Um, he's pretty pretty cheap, isn't he? He's 380 k yeah, That's what I was going to say. He's um, not the worst pick in the world, I guess. Yeah, he's an interesting one because at full potential, um, I remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, it might have been the year before because obviously he was injured primarily all of last year, um, but he was hitting kind of 80s and 90s consistently. Um, and I think that was the first year that that ruck change in scoring became prevalent where pretty much, you know, if you picked half a decent ruckman, um, whether you were trying to save him, obviously, you know, guys like Gordon and Grundy and, and now Darcy are kind of the ones that are scoring 130s, 40s for ruckman, but if you were trying to save cash and Wits was an option back then um, and he was consistently scoring kind of 80 to 90s and for that price, it's not the worst. Um, but I guess the big, big flip side is his injury history um, and missing basically all of last year um, becomes quite problematic and, and it's kind of hard to see uh, what will happen in 2022. Obviously, with him in the side for fitness, doesn't also it will also help guys like Tuck Miller because they could get their hands on the ball first with his tap work and he's not a bad ruckman, um definitely a big bloke as well so he can uh, bully bully other players around on the field but it, just for me if he was maybe a hundred k cheaper it'd definitely be a look in because then you're looking in that category of Proust as well and and I know a lot of super coaches are using Proust as a cheaper option to bolster up their other lines but as I said it's a hundred and compared to Proust it's a hundred and fifty odd k more expensive. And if you're expecting Proust to hit 90s and 100s, then you'd almost be expecting, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Wits to score, you know, 100s to 110 almost every second week kind of thing. So I'd just say that it's a bit more risky. I could easily get 100k if he scores okay, but the risk is there, is, is there highly. Um, and if he score, he spits out a 51 week, his, his um, price rises just stagnate the whole time and it becomes really difficult to chase the eight ball um, when you've got most super coaches picking Darcy and, and uh, Grundy. And if they pop off round one, you're already probably behind the eight ball, missing 30, 40 points straight away. But what are your thoughts on it? I guess, you know, we've had this whole debate in previous podcasts about um, picking, you know, cheaper R2s and R3s. Are you thinking about uh, Wits at all? Or are you just sticking safe with those two big guns in, in Grundy and Darcy? Yeah, I think you made some very good points. I also think he's quite a speculative pick. And at that price, you're almost picking him to be a keeper or to make you a large sum of money to easily upgrade to one of the premium rocks. But 
on top of his durability issues, I look at his fixture, and if we're starting him with the primary, primary, primary main intention of um, making us some good money early on and then using him as a stepping stone, it's going to be quite hard for him considering in the first nine weeks, he will play Nick Natanui, Max Gorn, Rowan Marshall, McInerney, Grundy, Hickey, and Darcy. So arguably the best Ruckmans in the first almost half of the year. So he's going to have a lot of difficult matchups in which his scoring is going to be heavily impacted as he's playing Ruckman who are just simply better than him. And for that, for that reason in alone, I will be avoiding wits. But I definitely think you can go worse than Jared Wits. However, if the pick fails, which it certainly can, a lot will have to go right. It's going to be difficult. He's, he's at a difficult price point because he's not cheap enough to be able to go down to Proust and then just bank 160K. You're going to have to use another trade with that 160K to move somewhere else. And he's... 200k below McInerney and then even more below um, like Darcy and Grundy. So I think it's a very risky pick. And if you don't have any safeguards in place in case the pick goes wrong, you're going to be well behind. Yeah. I mean, it's something that could be even worth the draft draft players um, as a sneaky option that if you miss out on those, those top rough ones, he's an easy shout for kind of an 80 to 90 potentially, but He's a good negating Ruckman, and what I mean by that, he's good at stopping other good Ruckman scoring. Um, but as you said, if he's got a nightmare run for the first six weeks, um, then you probably look elsewhere. As I said, Proust is probably a better option if you want to go down that cheap, risky route, and de that's definitely the case if he plays, um, and something that we will discuss, I guess, in more detail once um, we find out more about round one teams and, and pre-season and, and pre-season games and things like that, but... I guess if you are picking him, you are picking him for a bit of a cash saver. Um, but I guess you're picking him at your own risk, essentially, because as I said, if you miss out, you're going to miss out big time if Darcy pops off with the 140 and Grundy does exactly the same thing round one. So, yeah, pick with pick with your caution is all we can say. But I guess the next player on, on, the, on the list here for Gold Coast is someone that was on everyone's lips round one, was heralded as, you know the next big thing um, for Gold Coast, but got absolutely shut down by injury for the last two seasons. That's Matt Real. Um, came into Supercoach two years ago and, and went absolutely nuts and was scoring 130s and 140s for fun as a rookie. Um, when he came back from injury, obviously not as good and did not look almost half the, half the player he was from when he started. Um, what are your thoughts on Matt Real, Jonas? Is he... A fair shout. Obviously, he's at a discounted price still in comparison to what he was when he hit the peaks of his scores. I think he peaked maxed out at like 450k that year, and he's about 100k cheaper. Do you <clears> reckon <throat> he can kind of ever find his form, or is it one of those scenarios similar to maybe Gary Ablett in a sense when he did his shoulder and wasn't quite the same player as he ever was? I think in maybe two, three years' time, he'll be a good starting selection, but at the moment, He's at a good price. It's 343000 But there are too many question marks for me. He's... Yes. What, did he have a shoulder injury? 
Yeah. Right? So, yeah, because I think Ablett reached out to him as well um, when he was back at Geelong and, and, and made sure it was all okay. And he, yeah, I think it was a very similar injury to Ablett. Um, correct us if we're wrong, listeners. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. It wasn't a knee or anything like that. It was. It was his shoulder. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much that one. He, if he didn't come back last year and play, he probably would be a more lucrative pick because when he came back, he didn't set the house on fire at all. He had some pretty ordinary scoring. I don't think he even went over. He, he didn't go over eighty. I don't believe. Oh no, he had one eighty four and one eighty three. And everything else was below that. Yeah. And so, yeah, his scoring when he came back post-injury was not good enough for us to start with for this year. I think the pick can work out if he has a miraculous and wonderful preseason and lights up the uh, Marsh preseason games. But for now, he's not in consideration. The only way he'll get himself into contention for my team is if he scores like a 150 in the preseason game and seems to have reached that form that he was in a few years ago. But there's so many good midfield options at the moment that he's, yeah, he's definitely down the pecking order for me at this stage. What do you think about him? Yeah, 100%. I haven't not even thought about him, not even, I've seen a few people pick him in their preseason size, but I haven't really touched him. I think Jared Berry's a much stronger option. Um, and he's a hundred k cheaper as well. Um, yeah. he's a proven scoring, obviously not on the heights is what I was hitting first year, but I think it was also a little bit to do with the fact that he was out for so long, and and Gold Coast had to obviously rejig their midfield a bit without him. Um, and I think the year that Rao was out, Greenwood was the one that really stepped up. You know, now Greenwood's out. Who knows? He might step right back into that side and really rekindle what he lost um, last year. But I've heard the likes of Jared Bowes is, is now in the midfield or training with the midfield or looking, you know, towards that midfield spot. Um, and Took Miller's obviously risen another level. So who knows? It's 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 a very grey area at the moment on whether um, someone like Rao will will find Avery's scoring form. But I'd, I'd rather see him score a few good scores and then pick him. I'd more than be happy picking him at 400k if he's scoring 130s and stuff. Um like that, but it's not not just it's not worth the risk considering he's he has the ability to just put out a fifty because he's not touching the pill, um, and it's probably not good enough even to score seventy eighty at the moment. So yeah, there's better options out there, and as I said, I'm I'm more than happy to to pay for a, a more expensive player or even go down and, and just get a rookie. At his price as well, I think he's going to have to average one hundred and five aroundabouts to be a good pick, and yeah. that's just a product of the uh, quality of midfielders we have available to us. And so it's sort of like a betting game. Do you think he'll be able to reach 105 and also stay in the park? I'm in the camp of probably not this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds about right. And I think um, there are far too many good options um, to kind of not miss out on um, that are better than Ralph this season for sure. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, move on. Another relevant player which is featured in some teams is uh, the ex-cat Charlie Constable. Mm-hmm. What do you think of his job security? And then also, should he line up round one? Do you think you'd make a good pick? 
Yeah, I mean, if you, it's hard to say because Constable was touted as the next big thing for the Cats um, and dominated VFL or whatever he played, VFL level. I know St Kilda had their eyes on him as a potential just free agency pick, um, but we never really got our hands on it. We ended up getting, I think, Jack Hayes from the Sandfall, which is another player to speak about, I guess, um, later on, but um, when we close to, close to round one. But, um, yeah, Constable, rumours are he's floating around the back half. Um, they've put him on a half-back flank. Could be, as I mentioned, maybe a previous podcast, could be a for swap for Bose going into the midfield. Um, if that's the case, you know, could be potential. But, you know, even Bose was dominating off that half-back line for a while and then all of a sudden his scoring dried up as well. So there's no consistency in that half-back line for the goal because it's not like Sydney or... I don't know who other teams that have real good half-backers. But, yeah, look at Jake Wood, for example. He's nailed on that half-back flank, and you're guaranteed to get good scores off him. Um, same with Crisp, I guess, when he plays half-back. He, he still gets points as well. And there's just some teams. I know St Kilda's one of them because, obviously, I support them. But we don't really have a scorer that naturally scores well off a half-back flank. We like to share the pillar around. And that's something that Gold Coast do as well, and that comes down to also a young team. Um, there's no real person who's is dominated so like for Jaden Short for example the whole Richmond back line want to get the ball through his hands whereas I don't think any Gold Coast player in the back half are that confident with the ball at the moment um, that they can really you know take the ownership in that back half and go that's my pill I'm going to go with it and I'm going to be the main kicker out of defense I mean that's what Bose was doing but it almost seemed like they were sharing it I think um, Lukosius was down there a little bit and as well and there's a few others there that um, were intercept players as well. And, and I guess, you know, who knows what happens. Maybe you'll get like a 120 in, in JLT matches and, and it changes things. But unless I see him there round one, I'll probably see him there round two as well until the first price change or whatever it is. In, is it round three, I think it is? Yeah. Um, then I'd pick him because I'd rather not pick him to start off with. And even if it's like I get a, I've get got Barry in, for example, at the moment, if he doesn't pop off or get, even gets injured, at least constables around the same mark for a for a swap and a correctional trade, um, rather than picking him first. And you know, new club, who knows how he fits in. And then, as I said, even a new position, he may be asked to do a, a more more lockdown role. Or you know, if he if he plays a Lloyd role, for all means, you'd pick him because of such a cheap price and his talent um, is off the charts at times. But as I said, you know, Geelong have a tendency, obviously, to pick older players, and they've had that mock on them for a while now. Um, yeah. The whole, you know, average age is 35. But, um, you know, that could be a reason, you know, with that history of Geelong not picking younger players, he was never able to get a look in. But, you know, if if he was too, he should have got a pick in Geelong. And if he hasn't, there must be an underlying reason. Um, and Gold Coast have a bit of a habit of picking up recycled players that never really pop off either. So, for me, it's a no. But I guess, what are your thoughts on it, Jonas? He's obviously... A, a different position player and, and sometimes those work really well you just have to look at um, Rory Laird for example for the crowd obviously a much more well-established player but he moved from the back to mid and, and and basically scored hundreds for fun in that role so what are your thoughts on, on a different position um, constable I think it's an interesting one because I believe one of his criticisms was his kicking efficiency yeah, and that's it. now he's now he's moving into a position which requires elite kicking efficiency. Yeah. So I think for now he's on the watch list. 
If he was forward eligible, I'd probably be picking him at the moment at 213K. But at his price and at his uh, position, which is just midfield only, he's competing with the likes of Horn Francis, Dacos, Ward, etc. And so those players have already been able to show some evidence of being a worthy selection. I'm going to have to wait and see on Constable in the preseason and those uh, matches before the season commences to determine if he is a good starting pick. But if he if he's playing in that um, half back role, or if he has a has a a firm hold on a spot in the midfield, and he performs well, I think he he'll probably come into my team to be honest, because mm-hmm. that Gold Coast. I believe there are a fair few spots up for grabs and he's been in the system for a while now has shown the capability to put out some good numbers at Geelong. So I wouldn't put him in my team just yet, but he's definitely a player who could enter your team in a few, in a month's time when we see them play some preseason matches. Yeah. As I said, with a lot of these players, it's almost like a wait and see. And if it works, it works, you know, great. If it doesn't, then, Obviously, you wouldn't touch him because um, you just have to look at other defenders that, you know, almost like that March Bank type that everyone has a hype around him for whatever unknown reason um, and they just fall apart and they get like 60s and 50s and it's kind of just a waste to pick at that price because you really want to, with those mid-200 players, you want them to be scoring well. They're almost like your fallen premiums. In a, obviously, not all of them. But at that price point, you want them to score consistently and score consistently above the average to kind of keep your float. Because if you pick too many of them, then you get stuck with a lot of them and then you almost miss out on that price rise from the rookies. So, for example, a good comparison could be Finn McGuinness from the Hawks, right? He's, you know, had another preseason under his belt. Who knows what happens with him? And he's 100K cheaper. If he starts to pop off playing midfield or, or whatever, and you've got Constable who's hit picking 50s, then you've already missed that initial price ride from McGuinness. Um, and then you're a bit of, bit of trouble there. So I guess we'll see how that one goes. But the next, um, the next person we have on our radar is... Um, well, actually, before we go on the next person, um, I guess a, a follow-on question from that, Jonas, um, is, is Jared Bowes. We'll have a quick discussion about him. Obviously, could potentially play midfield from what I've been hearing on the grapevine. Could be a swap for Constable. Um, he has pretty good foot skills. Um, you know, some would say elite um, off that back half line and, and did a lot of kickouts for for Gold Coast. What are your thoughts on Bose as a, as a pick? I'm not sure if he's listed as a middle, middle defence. I'm pretty sure he's still listed as a defence. Um, he's defender only, yeah. Defender only. Um, what are your thoughts on Bose? Obviously, a lot of... Super coaches brought him in at the start of last year after seeing his scoring do so well. He dropped off a fair bit towards the end. Um, but what are your thoughts if he gets around that that midfield? Are you are you tempted by him considering he's got such good foot skills? There are two things that tempt me. Firstly, he's shown an ability to score well in that position. And secondly, well, not in that position. If he's playing midfield, then obviously not. But he's shown a capacity to be able to score well. Secondly, in round six, if he's playing midfield, he'll have that DPP swing and then he'll become slightly more relevant because he'll, because he'll have forward, not forward, 
because he'll have defender midfield eligibility. Mm-hmm. However, he's pretty injury prone. And at 450K, you want to be picking... Or 450 and above K, you want to be picking guys you know are going to be playing most, if not all games. And I think he's... His durability, especially when it comes to soft tissue injuries, it's not like a field pick where it's like freak accidents and you're just backing him to be able to escape those one in a hundred sort of injuries. Bose's pulled hamstrings and stuff like that. And if he's playing midfield, he's going to be running three times as much as what he was in defense. So he's going to be quite vulnerable to a hamstring injury here and there. And so for that reason alone, plus the fact he hasn't played, maybe he did in his junior years, but he hasn't played that role for quite some time. I'm a bit doubtful that the pick will work out. So it's a bit of an avoid at the moment. I'd rather spend 500 extra, or 50 extra K on Whitfield or maybe even Sisley. I, I think he's at a lower price even. Yeah. But I would, I would, yeah. Sisley's... A better option, but both of those options aren't my cup of tea. I'd rather spend up a bit more to get a more durable option like a a short or a Ridley or a more risky option like Whitfield, who has the ability to score better than Bose. Yeah, 100%. I mean, almost looks a bit like, you know, if he does end up playing midfield for whatever reason, it could almost be like that Zach Williams situation where was but Zach Williams, if the listeners don't know, he's pretty much a walking hospital. He's made of tape um, and yeah. in the midfield. And it was like, well, if he's going to injured in the back half, he's 100% going to get injured in the midfield and just didn't look suited in that midfield spot. But obviously, Bo's a different player. So who knows what will happen um, um, with him. But I guess um, one other player that I know, Nathan, I mean, I personally don't have, I mean, I have him, in, have him on my side. I don't know much about him. Maybe you've got a bit more info, Jonas. I know Nathan was big on him last year, um, but obviously injury hit him hard. But a guy under the name of Elijah Holland, um, 123.9K forward, obviously be a very popular selection. Rookie spot has potential. Um, have you got any insight on Hollands? And obviously, I know you've mentioned his lock in lock in your side, and, and and obviously, I think Nathan's side as well. But what are your thoughts on Hollands, and and what potential does he actually have to make money for us? Which is, I guess, the most important thing. Yeah, um, we don't hear a lot out of Gold Coast, but from what I can tell, he's had a good preseason. He's had another year in the system. He's at a a low price, and he's forward eligible. So. You, he ticks a lot of the boxes as well as having the talent. So he, he was billed as a possible number one selection before he got injured. And so I think with those factors alone, plus with the lack of really appealing forward rookies at this stage, I think just lock him in. I'm not sure exactly where he'll be playing, but I assume it'll be on like a forward flank with, a yep. bit of midfield time. Um, but, yeah, this stage is a lock. I think, especially considering the fact he plays for Gold Coast, who probably want to blood some more youth because I don't think they'll be competing for finals yet. Who knows? Maybe not ever. Considering <laughs> where they're going. But they're going to want to get some games into their younger players. And I think Hollands, if he's 100% fit, which I assume now he would be, 
um, can make us some good money at the start of the year. And then by like round seven through to round 11, you can trade him out at some stage. And ideally he'll have made around 170K by that stage. And you go from there. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, guys like that who, who potentially already poised for a round one call up are, are pretty much a no-brainer. Um, and I guess in a situation like this where last year we had such a difficult time picking rookies, um, you've just got to take each each rookie pick that you can and just run with it. Obviously, there might be some red flags with, with maybe key position players or, or people that have maybe played one season, barely played, and then are still at a similar price. Those are the ones you might want to avoid. But guys like Collins, who I know Nathan was a big advocate for um, at the start of last year, but never got going with obviously injury and whatnot. Um, could obviously be almost a lock in everyone's side um, come round one. Yeah, I'd be picking him even if he was like 150, 160K just because of his job security. I think job security in itself, pending how he plays in the preseason games, is worth at least 40K for a rookie. So, yeah, he's definitely um, dis- at a really good discount. Yeah, for sure. And I guess um, almost finished the podcast for today. I know it's a bit of a shorter one, but um, that's on Gold Coast for not having as many relevant players. Um, but there is one other guy, and, and he's pretty much the sidekick to Rao, and they obviously got um, drafted together. And that's Jack Lukosius. Um, oh, no, that's no, – I'm sorry. Uh, got mixed up. It's Rao, uh, Anderson that got picked up with, with Rao. But we'll, we'll talk about Jack Lukosius um, because – he was obviously a very talented person as well. Um, you know, potential scoring potential. He scored a few tons as well. Um, is there any, do you reckon, Jonas, is there any merit in picking him at all, maybe for draft even? Um, but also, we'll, we'll talk about Anderson, I guess, in the same boat because they're all kind of in the same category. Uh, what are your thoughts on Anderson Lucocious then? Um, very talented kids and definitely showed at times that I think um, Anderson for sure um, showed heaps of potential last year, and, and I think when when Rao went again, went out again with injury, um, he definitely stepped up to the plate at times, and even won a few um, best on grounds um, a couple times. And obviously, Lukosius in that back half did so well um, to steady the ship a few times in in, in Geelong, uh, Gold Coast encounters. What are your thoughts on those two? Is there any merit in selecting either of them, or they're just kind of too young and let them develop for another few years? Start with Anderson. I think. He's 455k midfield only. He's a hard pass me at this stage. I think his defensive side of his game is pretty poor as well. He doesn't tackle very much, but he certainly has a talent. And you'd think with a bit of natural development, he'd improve his average by a bit. Um, however, he's going to have to improve his average to around 110 to be a good selection at his price. And I simply don't think he will be able to do that. So for me, he's a pass. What are your thoughts on Anderson? Obviously, he's naturally gifted, but as a midfield-only player, in a weaker side, hasn't had too many runs on the board. Is he a viable selection? No, I'm just... Well, I'm looking at his average now. He obviously played a fair few games. Um, Yeah. It was, he's kind of had the odd hundred, and when he hit hundreds, he was going quite large. You know, round two hundred nineteen, round four hundred twenty-four, round six hundred fifteen, um, and round twenty was his other hundred plus, and that was one thirty-seven. I think that's when he was BOG. 
um, against the Blues. But yeah, his 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 lows are really low. Um, if you look, he's got fifties dotted across. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's a young player. Needs to clean up his disposal efficiency a little bit, which obviously will help. But he's one of those players that give it maybe two to three more years, and we'll see where he's at. There's just those. I'm not a big advocate for for four fifty k players. Um, there's not too many of them going around. They're not very good usually. Um, and there's probably a reason why they're stuck in that middle middle ground. And unless you're kind of banking for one of them to really step up into that 500 plus category, then that's a different story. But you look at him, um, someone like Anderson, who's quite young and, and raw in the system, um, is probably just a, a very hard pass. And, and I guess we'll see how he goes in the next year or two. But obviously, Lukosius, um, what are your thoughts on him? Obviously, he played that defensive role and, and did have some potential. Um, but what are your thoughts on him? He does have um, DPP with regards to being a defender midfielder, which is sort of tempting. However, I heard some reports that he was lining up in the forward line at one of Gold Coast's practice matches. And I think that has completely scared me off because even if he starts now back, down back again, the fact that still Jew has toyed with him up forward scares me off yeah. because you never know when he'll be able to when he'll be pushed up forward and we've seen with Sicily for example when they sort of players who have shown to be good in defense but are too good for their own good in the sense that they can play a number of different roles and be versatile if he goes up forward especially for Gold Coast where the ball won't be heading up as much as it would for say a Western Bulldogs or a Melbourne, he'll be out, he'll be spitting out some fifties and some really low scores, and we don't want to be picking players in the four hundreds who, as you say, have really low floors, yeah, um, and not even that incredibly high ceilings. I'm not sure exactly what Lukosius's highest scores are, but I assume he hasn't scored very many scores in the vicinity of 130 plus not really um i can just bring it up just give me two seconds i had it up open up before um he did have a couple hundreds but as i said even lower lower average than raul uh oh, sorry anderson um he did have probably more consistent scoring bar the odd 40 and 50 uh, he started off really well with 102 and 110 in the first two rounds but as I said, probably too far and fewer apart. And if he does go on the forward line, that totally changes things. And he ends up, sure. you know, he's a tall guy, so probably ends up being a, a almost a third third key forward. And, and those ones don't really score well um, unless, say, Giga Bag is six. So I guess both of those, they're, they're supremely talented kids and, and only time will tell where they'll be at in two to three years. And if, if that's the case, then they're probably almost the first selected in a lot of players' teams um, just with the nature of their talent. But... I guess we'll just have to wait a couple more years for that one. If you're going to pick someone in the forward line, it's a strange option. However, instead of Lukosius, save yourself 150K and just go down to Ben King. Yeah. He'll be kicking goals. Like, he's not the best option, but if you want, if you desperately want a key forward and someone who plays for Gold Coast, Ben King at 290,000 is, isn't the worst selection because... Obviously, his job security and durability isn't too uh, much of a concern. But, yeah, as a key forward, I won't be picking him. But he'll have those games where he kicks five goals and scores a 120 and boosts his average and 
maybe makes you 100 to 150K. So he's not the worst option. Certainly someone to keep in mind. However, he does play Melbourne in round two and West Coast in the opening round. Um, however, and then he plays Carlton and St Kilda. So his run is all right. But if you're tossing up between a, a speculative Gold Coast player, I think Ben King's your man. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got a point to prove, I guess, because St Kilda have pretty much saved up their life savings to get Ben King in next year on, I guess. You know, if he's got a point to prove in... Um, if he's if he's anything like Max King, and he could go gangbust against West Coast as well. So who knows? I mean, Kings is the King boys are something special as well. And and yeah, as you said, it's a much nicer pick at that if you're picking someone that he's playing down the forward line for Gold Coast. But I guess that's all we got time for. And we've tried to keep this one a little bit more briefer than our previous ones because we we don't have a guest in today, and and Nathan's uh, gone walkabout. So hopefully we'll be back <laughs> for the next one. Um, but we do have a few. You know, uh, big blockbuster teams like the names of Richmond, uh, Western Bulldogs and Melbourne to come. And if you are a supporter of those and, and play a bit of Supercoach, we'd be more than happy for you to, to hop on and have a chat with us, us two or three, whoever's on, whoever's available on the day and um, have a bit of a chat about the team that you support. So if you uh, want to join on for that podcast, uh, those podcasts in particular, those, or even Hawthorne will chuck in. Um, as the major four Victorian ones we haven't really touched upon yet, then feel free to DM us on Instagram or, or Twitter um, or even if you know us personally, I guess, um, on Facebook Messenger as well. But uh, until then, um, we'll catch you for the next uh, preseason team, whoever that may be.